In today's show, we are looking at injuries around the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Well, we have got injury reports from most teams around the NBA. We're going to go through all of those and give you an update on where guys sit in terms of their recoveries. And, uh, and when they are likely to be returning, because that is obviously uh, important in terms of pickups and trades and what we're doing in terms of uh, you know, holding on to guys, all that sort of stuff. So let's talk about that now. We'll start with the Atlanta Hawks. Clint Capella missed the last game before the break, but he's back today. So no need to worry about that. The bigger news there is yeah, Cam Reddish has, ha- has to undergo some surgery on his Achilles. He's missed six games already. He's probably going to miss another nine to ten would be the guess, and be back at the end of March. Now, he's not providing much value, but what he does do is open it up for Kevin Herter and for Bogdan Bogdanovich and eases things off there. While DeAndre Hunter, there was some um, positive news that he didn't require a second PRP injection on his knee uh, after that surgery, but I wouldn't be thinking that he's necessarily all that close to a return. I would still think we're two weeks away uh, minimum from DeAndre Hunter returning. Again, remember, knee injuries... And surgery on knees, that sort of stuff, it is pretty a pretty serious thing. So often when players, uh, you know, you hear these positive news, we tend to get a little bit overhyped, thinking about that they're going to be back early. Um, and, and Hunter might be back a, a week or so early, but I wouldn't think it's going to be amazingly quick. Now, is he a guy that we look at at picking up at this stage? I, I think a lot of that depends on where you sit in the standings. I think from here on out, like he's going to miss, let's say there's you know, on average 36 games left, half a season on average. Yeah, there's a chance that he misses a third of those remaining games. It's a big hit. Um, and that's not including the fact that maybe you don't have those back-end 10 games because your fantasy playoffs are over. If you're in a roto league, it's a little bit different. So there, there is a chance that if he's missing you know, 10 games, out of the remaining, say, 25. That's half the games. That That is tough to deal with. Um, I, st- I do think that he is worth a grab if you're in a strong position. And then we wait to hear more news. But there is a real chance that you know, he's not... He's not back playing until April, and then he's on limited minutes for the first, you know, um, you know week when he returns. And that that investment may not be worth it. So just just be aware of that. Chris Dunn, we haven't really had any update. We just know that he's out. Hasn't played a single game this season. I have no idea how he's going to even fit into the rotation when he does return. Next up, the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant update on his hamstring. Where he's getting another scan next week, so we're looking at at least another week. And then they said they'll be pretty cautious in ramping him back up. I would imagine we are targeting the weekend of the 20th, 21st. The Nets play on the 21st there. Maybe he's back on the Friday, the 19th of March, but I I would not be... He's not going to be back this week, guaranteed. Um, I would doubt he has the scan on the Monday and he's ready to play on the Monday. Uh, I would doubt he's ready to play on the Wednesday. So it's probably going to be that Friday or Sunday and then unlimited minutes for Kevin Durant. 
um, is you know, what, what do you do with Durant? Well, you don't really have a huge amount of choice. But I think given the games that he's missing from here on out, you value him as like a top 40 player rather than a um, rather than a, a top five. He's been the fifth ranked player per game this year. I, I don't think he's, he would be fifth per game as we move forward from here on out. I, I think you view him as a per game guy, top 20, but as a asset from now, like a top 50 player would probably be my, uh, my thoughts on Kevin Durant. Blake Griffin is going to miss today as well. Um, he won't be... Yeah, out too long, but I don't think he's going to be an impact player, as you're well aware. Well, the Wabu Cabro and Jeff Green, they looks like they're just short-term injuries for Brooklyn. For Boston, Marcus Smart is returning today. Well, Romeo Langford is healed from his injury, and he's just passing uh, COVID protocols and uh, dealing with conditioning. Not that Langford's necessarily going to be a part of the rotation, or if he is part of the rotation, a fantasy factor. But the big news there is Smart, and Smart will be on a minutes restriction, uh, you would imagine, early on. And that is going to obviously limit his effectiveness. Now he's a clear, a clear ad in uh, in leagues um, with this uh, with this calf return. Even if he is going to be limited initially, um, but he's a, he's a clear must roster player from here on out. Onto the Charlotte Hornets, injury wise, Cody Zeller missed before the break the last four games. Uh, Devonte Graham missed the last seven games before the break, and they are both likely to return. On Thursday, while PJ Washington Jr., he is ready to go as well. He did hurt himself in the last game before the break, but he is fine and he is ready to go. So Charlotte looking pretty okay. On to the Chicago Bulls and some of their long-term injuries are returning. Otto Porter Jr. and Lowry Markkinen. Both of those guys are set to return today, Thursday. Um, you would imagine that Lowry is you know, a little bit limited in minutes early. And, and Porter, I think, is, is going to be limited in minutes in general because they've still got yeah, Williams and Thad Young playing that well. I, I don't think that Otto Porter is someone that we want to look at as a must-add player. Um, I think that there is a chance that he has traded and maybe he finds himself into a 30-minute or so role. But even then, he he would probably only be a marginal top 100 player as a top 30 guy. Uh, sorry, as a 30-minute-a-game guy. So he's only an ad if you want to stash for a trade. Markkinen's a clear ad everywhere. Chandler Hutchison's still out for personal reasons. Um, he's not going to have any sort of impact uh, at any team, really. The Cavs are an interesting one. They don't play until Friday. So we haven't got a full update on them returning after the break. There was a report that Larry Nance would be returning um, in the first game after the break, and that is Friday. So watch for that. We haven't had any update on Kevin Love, so we have no idea when Kevin Love's returning. I would think that he's a chance to play, but we just haven't had an update. Well, Darius Garland hurt his groin in the last game before the break. Now, the Cavs went out and signed a 10-day contract to Quinn Cook, and one of their locked-in or plugged-in beat reporters, Chris Fedor, said that the signing of Cook is because Darius Garland is banged up. So you'd have to think that there is a chance that Garland does not play on Friday. It's not considered long-term, as for what I understand, but that could change when we get some reporting on it. But I would expect a absence of Garland maybe of one or two games the Nance and Love situation is very interesting. I don't think Nance will be anywhere near as good as he was to begin the season, but he is a guy to add. And Kevin Love probably is a guy to add as well. But you know, I wouldn't be valuing these guys as anywhere close to top 60 or top 70 guys. Nance is a top 100. Love is a top 120 guy. But they are. if their return is not happening in this first game back, it's surely going to be happening really soon. And that's obviously a positive. Uh, Matty Dallavadova, I don't think we're going to be seeing him really at any point this season with a concussion. And now he's got appendicitis. Well, Andre Drummond, 
Drummond, um, not injured, obviously, but we're waiting on a trade. We are two weeks from the trade deadline, so if you did want to stash Andre Drummond, um, yeah, you can probably deal with two weeks of it. I'm sure he hasn't been dropped in any leagues, but just, just in case he has, uh, I'm still not convinced that he goes to a huge role, but he probably only needs 27 minutes to be a useful fantasy player, unlike some other guys. The Dallas Mavericks. Um, they are pretty okay, injury-wise. Uh, nothing to really see here, I, I don't think. Um, it is a it is a back-to-back today, so Porzingis is a chance that he doesn't play, but I, I think he'll be fine. So injury-wise, they are good to go, which is great. We don't have an update on the Denver guys yet either. Now, they all missed Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green. They all missed a ton before the break. It was eight games for Gaz. It was eight games for uh, Green. It was like 10 games for Millsap. There is a chance they're all back here, um, but we don't know that. While Faku Kompazzo and RJ Hampton are both dealing with COVID protocols, they've been out since the 27th of February was their last game. So we're approaching two weeks from there. So their return should be coming pretty soon. I think that Harris might push a little bit further out here. I believe that Millsap and Green will be back pretty much straight after the All-Star break, but they're not useful for fantasy, I don't think, in 12-team leagues. Um, they're more 14 to 16 team league guys, and their absence actually helps other guys like Michael Porter Jr. On to the Detroit Pistons. Um, Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson, they missed the last two games before the break, but they're going to be returning. Well, DeLon Wright, who's been out since the 19th of February, he is questionable for today's game. How they run that rotation is a big question mark to me because Dennis Smith has shown something. And Smith, I think, will remain in the rotation as a a 20-minute-a-night guy. And I don't think that DeLon, who was playing like 38, 37 minutes a night as the starting point guard before he got hurt, will get anywhere near those minutes. I think he's more going to be a 31, 32-minute-a-game guy, if that. Yes, he can play some too, but there's Svee and Josh Jackson and Wayne Allington there as well. Um, So I think Wright's minutes will come down a bit. Remember, he played 24 minutes a night to begin this season when the team was healthy, and he was pushed into a larger role due to um, circumstances. And then you've got Killian Hayes, who is back doing some light work. I would expect him back in April um, on a limited diet of minutes and not going to be a fantasy option. He's obviously been a massive disappointment this season, but when he comes back, they're going to give him minutes. So DeLon is going to lose playing time there, and Dennis Smith, is, he might even be moved out of the rotation, or it's McKay Luke who's moved out of the rotation. Somebody is going to move out of the rotation when uh, when all these guys, or when, um, what's his name, Killian Hayes, ends up returning. So that that is something to watch, but you know, we're not looking at that from a fantasy point of view now. The only real impact we're looking at there is what does it end up meaning for D-Line Wright? And, and I think it will be once you head into fantasy playoffs in April when um, when Killian is back, that it's going to be another dip in D-Line's value. The Golden State Warriors, Kelly Oubre missed two games prior to the break with a wrist injury. He is back and he is ready to go today while Steph Curry and Draymond Green, they're fine to go. They rested before the break. James Wiseman missed a COVID test over the weekend. It, it, it was uncertain whether he would play, but it looks like he is trending towards playing. I would think that he is not going to start. The organization doesn't seem all that impressed that he missed the COVID test. They're also not overly impressed with the way he's been playing, but he did play 35 minutes in a start before the break. That was with everybody out, remember? I think he goes back to the bench and plays. They keep saying they want to play more minutes. I don't think that means 27 minutes a night. I don't even think it means 25 minutes a night. I think it means going from 17 minutes a night to 22 or 23 minutes would be my guess for James Wiseman. For the Houston Rockets, Christian Wood. Now, this guy, just anything... And I know it gets we'll get pumped out a lot. Christian Wood says he's back, guys. Christian Wood's coming back. He says he's after the, the back-to-back. How many times has this guy said, I'll be back before the All-Star break. I'll be back really soon. Don't worry, I'll be back now. Like he says it all the time, 
and it's not true. It's not his decision, and we have to remember this when players say this. It is not their decision, and they will always, always, always push for an earlier return or claim that they're coming back earlier. So Wood is going to miss the Thursday, Friday back-to-back, and there is a chance he returns on Sunday, maybe, but Stephen Silas said he's probably looking at another week to get back and get his conditioning back. So I would say a reasonable target is one of the back-to-backs on the 16th or 17th um, against the Hawks or the Warriors. So probably another three games missed for Christian Wood. Daniel House, we don't have really any diagnosis there. He's missed two games now with the knee injury. He's missing Thursday. Um, I think he could miss some more here, which is going to open up more time for guys like your mate, Kevin Porter Jr. And then with um, Victor Oladipo, John Wall's playing back-to-back, so we're fine there. While Oladipo, it doesn't appear that he will. So they've got a back-to-back Thursday, Friday this week. They've got a back-to-back next week, Tuesday, Wednesday. And they've got a back-to-back on that weekend, the Sunday, Monday as well. So three back-to-backs coming in the next 11 days for the Rockets, meaning there's a chance that Oladipo misses three out of their next uh, eight games. Um, He is a chance to be traded as well. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in another show. The Indiana Pacers, Karis Levert, probably the biggest news here, I guess. Um, we're looking at probably a mid-March return. We don't have anything concrete on that, but I would guess in that you know, weekend, the 21st, maybe, that he returns. There is a back-to-back on the 21st, 22nd for the Pacers, so maybe one of those games that he's looking to come back, and I would assume he's on limited minutes for a week or so after he returns. Is Karis Levert a pickup? I would say yes. Um, but he, again, we're dealing with a fact that he's going to miss, you know, probably another four, six games or so, uh, here in, in the season and then be limited for the first few when he returns. So just be aware that you know, your first two, three weeks of the Karis Levert pickup experience probably isn't going to be ideal. Uh, for TJ Warren, I, I don't think he's back until mid April would be my guess and then be on limited minutes through April. And that's really going to have no impact on most of your fantasy uh, seasons. Maybe he comes back at full strength for your semifinals and your finals. That That's a possibility. But even then, I, I wouldn't be certain on that. And you're know, dealing with a guy uh, like that, if you can't put him in IR, like you're talking about a guy that's you're probably not going to be total value from here on out top 200. Um, just because of how much time he's going to miss and then the limited minutes. So that, that's obviously a worry there for him. The Los Angeles Clippers. Sorry, the LA Clippers. Patrick Patterson looks like he's returning. He's been out with personal issues. He's not on the injury report. While Paul George and uh, Marcus Morris also absent from the injury report. So both of those guys, uh, both of those guys should be ready to go and uh, and in the rotation. And and the Clippers, they have a uh, they have a full uh, fully clear injury report, which is obviously great news for them. The Lakers, Anthony Davis, the big one here. We're probably looking at another week, week and a half, I would say, for Davis to return, and then we'll get a bit of a diet of some, um, of some uh, limited minutes, I would imagine, for the the week after that. So I would expect full strength Anthony Davis to be back at the end of March, which is not ideal. Um, we, he's going to miss these first five or so here. Um, coming back. Now, maybe he comes back a little bit earlier. We haven't heard. The Lakers don't play until Friday, but I would imagine that we yeah, we don't get fully strength Anthony Davis until around the 26th or 28th of March. Um, what does that mean in terms of fantasy value? Uh, look, I, I think much like he's the 22nd ranked player per game this year. I think that he can be, maybe he can be top 12 this year per game, but the limited minutes early on will be a concern. I think if you're viewing him total value from here on out, He's maybe, maybe total value, not top 50. Now that includes 
That includes, again, those last two weeks of May, which admittedly he'll miss some of those. But if your league doesn't go that far, then maybe you're dealing with three weeks of full-strength Anthony Davis. Now, if you're a top-tier playoff team, that's great because that's when the fantasy playoffs are. But if you're battling um, and then not having Davis for the next week and a half and then mid-strength Davis for for a week... You might need to you might need to bite the bullet there and make some decisions. So that that's uh, worth worth noting. Uh, LeBron missed the back to back before the break. He'll be back. Marcus Sol and Alex Caruso missed as well. I assume both of those guys are ready to go. But we don't have updates because uh, the Lakers don't play till Friday, so they haven't given us any report there. Let's talk about the big one here, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, this one's going to be a bit of a longer segment. I I like Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be a really good player. I have some real concerns with how Memphis handles injury reports. This goes all the way back to Mike Conley with his Achilles issue, where they just kept saying, no, he, no we'll reevaluate. No, we'll reevaluate. And then he was out for the season. Like, just constant stuff like that. We just don't hear anything. And I understand they're playing things close to the vest. I don't really understand who that benefits at all. The thing is, right, Jaron Jackson had meniscus surgery. There's two types of meniscus surgery, meniscus repair or meniscus removal. You have a meniscus removal, like Christos Porzingis, Porzingis. you can come back in six to eight weeks. Like It's not as good for your long-term health. There's more risk of re-injury or cartilage wear or, or you know uh, wear and tear type knee injuries. There's more risk of that. And I'm not... I'm not saying this negatively against the Mavericks and, the, and then Porzingis because there are certain situations with a meniscus injury where you can't do the repair and the only option is the removal and perhaps that's what happened. But in general, if you've got the opportunity to do the repair, it is a better long-term outcome. It just takes six months to recover from. So it appears that Jaron Jackson had the meniscus repair, but nobody said that. The reports were, from me talking to a few Memphis Grizzlies beat reporters, this is that mid-January, MLK Day would be his return date. All right, that sort of makes sense based on if he had the removal, that'd be about that sort of time to get in there. It's a little bit longer, but that, that didn't happen. And now we're pushing out where Jackson's not going to be back until April, maybe? And at that point, is his season in danger? Absolutely it is. Yeah, I don't really see how we can... Uh, you can't hold Jaron Jackson. Without an injury reserve slot, you can't hold. And if you've got multiple players in that injury reserve slot, he's got to go. Because he's going to come back and he's going to be limited when he returns. But my my larger point here... Look, I think everyone understands that. We love Jaron Jackson, but he's got to go. My larger point with this is... I And people will disagree with me. Josh, the only people who give a shit when Jaron Jackson's back are fantasy managers. And the Grizzlies don't care about that. And I think that's 100% false. Now, I'll tell you why. If anyone can remember back to like 2012, 2013, Derek Rose. The Bulls put up horrible timelines on his uh, knee injury. And there was so much pressure on Derek Rose. Derek Rose, you're a soft cock. You've been cleared. Why aren't you playing? Knee injuries like this don't take this time to recover. You don't care about the team. Why are you just caring so much about your yourself and your future and you're not giving anything for the team? Oh, you want to be able to walk at your kid's graduation? Boo-hoo. Get out there and play. That stuff was out there a lot. And in the end, so much of that stuff and the unrealistic expectations set on Derrick Rose led to him moving on from Chicago. I don't think there's any doubt about that, that he felt so much pressure. There was so much pressure because the organization didn't do the right thing and put the right timeline on him. They just said, oh, no, he's, he's, no, he should be cleared to go. He should be okay. But, you know, they made it out like he's choosing not to play. Now, that's not exactly what Memphis is doing. 
But to say that um, not having timelines or correct timelines or correct in- injury information doesn't impact a player or an organization is flat out false. So with Jaron Jackson, they could have come out and said, Jaron Jackson has had a meniscus repair. Let's say even he had a removal. Jaron Jackson had a meniscus repair. The recovery time is five to six months. Maybe we see him in April. People go, oh, that's house." But we understand it's better for his future. It's better for our future. Heal up, big fella. Maybe we don't see you this year. All good. Or he has the meniscus removal. And they say, he had a meniscus removal. He'll be out six to eight weeks. And then when that time comes, they say, guys, he had a setback. It's not healing as we expected. Um, you know, it's going to be a few more months. And people go, oh, damn, that's shit. But now people go, what are you doing? You're 21 years of age. You're not playing because you've got a sore knee that everyone comes back from in six weeks. Are you made of glass? Are you a soft cock? Do you not want to play? Do you care more about shopping? Like this stuff is out there with Jaron Jackson. I think it's completely unfair. So it's not about fantasy managers wanting to know and they're the only people who care because this puts unrealistic pressure and expectations. There'll be plenty of Grizzlies fans who will be like, Jaron, take your time. That's fine. But there are irrational cockheads in all walks of life. And there will be people, and I have seen it. That's why I'm telling you. It's not me making this up. I have seen people say this, that he is being soft and he can't recover and he's completely injury prone. When realistically, the most logical explanation is that he had an injury that takes six months to recover from and the stupid team didn't put that information out there. Dickheads. Let's go on to the Miami Heat. Um, Bam out of bio. Bit of a worry. He sat out the last game before a break with a knee injury. And uh, a week later, he's still not ready to go. Now, obviously, they're going to be cautious without a bio. But shit, I thought that was just like we're winding you down before the All-Star break and just have a day off. That's definitely a little bit of a worry. I don't think we need to worry in terms of he's going to miss months or weeks or anything like that. But it's a concern for sure. Um, The other one, Avery Bradley, looks like he could be set to return across the weekend in a limited minutes role, I would guess. Uh, How he comes in and what he plays and what that means for Kendrick Nunn is... um, is still uh, still a question mark. I don't know exactly how they're going to do that, but that is going to be a, uh, a an interesting discussion that this team has to have in terms of how that rotation works. But we'll see that come soon. Uh, hopefully, Bam is okay. The Milwaukee Bucks, they got just Drew Holiday returning from COVID. Um, he's already back, of course, but we're, they're just ramping up his minutes. Injury-wise, they're fine outside of Jordan Wara, who was dealing with an ankle injury, but I don't think that's too serious. Well, not too serious in terms of their rotation and the fantasy value associated. Malik Beasley for the Minnesota Timberwolves has nine games remaining on his suspension. He'll be back on the 27th of March. Or D'Angelo Russell, some reports again that we just need to be careful of. Russell had that knee surgery, and I think it was four to six weeks, and I said I think it's probably closer to six to eight weeks. Because knee surgery is knee surgery, especially on a shit team. They're not going to want to push him too far. Now, the report came back that D'Angelo Russell's rejoined the team and he's you know, um, doing his rehab now in Minnesota. And people think, oh, that's it. He's coming back. What it means is he's getting, he's coming back and maybe there's a chance he starts to do some on-court work. So he's still weeks away. Like he's not coming back any point soon. Maybe he's back. Um, you know, maybe the, I'd say the earliest he's back is like the 20th of uh, March, which is what, 10 days from now, but he hasn't started doing any on-court work yet. And he may not start doing that until the weekend. So I think the realistic expectation is just to expect end of March for Russell to come back. And then he returns on some limited minutes and he yeah, comes back in place 27, 28 for a week or so. And then you're pushing into the first week of April. Is that enough to hold on to without a, um, 
without an injured spot. Well, he's been bad this year, 87th on a per-game basis, and only played 29 minutes a game there. I think, again, if you do have the facility to be able to stash him, you, you want to do it. But if you don't have injured reserve or you don't have roster spots um, and you're, you're battling, it's very hard to hold on to a guy that is, in the scheme of things, barely going to give you top 150 value the rest of the season on a total basis. But maybe he beats my timeline. Maybe him not being on the court and now all of a sudden coming on the court means he's back in two days. I highly doubt that, but that is a possibility. Jarrett Culver also has a toe issue. He's doubtful. He's also doubtful to be a good NBA player, so I don't think we need to worry too much about that. While Jordan McLaughlin is in the health and safety protocols, which means we're going to get some very, very big minutes for ravishing Rick Rubio. For the Pelicans, Zion Williamson missed their last game, so he'll be back. Uh, he played in the All-Star game. He's fine. While JJ Redick missed the last game before the break, and he is out again with his heel issue, I'd say there's a pretty good chance that he is dealt. Um, he's not really contributing in fantasy leagues at this point, but they're the only injuries the Pelicans are dealing with. The New York Knicks, Mitch Robinson. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. I think we're still about a week away from uh, Robinson returning. And even then, I don't think he waltzes back to 30 minutes a night. I, I think there is a chance he comes back. I'm not sure about this. He comes back and plays like 22, 23 minutes. A week away for Robinson is still um, interesting enough to grab. In points, I'm not certain. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we grab him and then we find out that he remains in a bench role and then we have to drop him. But with a week a week of action, uh, yeah, maybe until he returns, then I think it's worth doing. Derek Rose. Missed the last two games prior to the break due to COVID protocols. Out again, which is very, very curious, considering that he was sort of cleared for that Thursday game before the break, flew back with the team, was listed questionable, and then ruled out, and now he's out again. So the only thing I can think of is that he has another incidence of um, a COVID protocol or contract tracing scenario rather than that initial one. Austin Rivers is out for personal reasons. They just don't want him to play. Well, remember when he remember at the start of the season he played he was playing thirty five minutes a night and people were adding him in fantasy and now he's just out of the rotation. Um, Taja Gibson is questionable. He missed the last three before the break. I I expect that he returns on uh, on Thursday against the Bucks. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Remember Trevor Ariza is on this team. Um, he will never play a minute for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He could very easily get traded. They should be looking to trade him to try and get something back there, but. Yeah, I don't really think there's any team that he's going to go to and be a top 100 fantasy threat. But in a deeper league, I wouldn't mind stashing Ariza for the next two weeks. Al Horford, there's a ton of back-to-backs coming up for this team. So that is the discussion that you have to have with yourself. Is Horford worth holding on to? And if I have a look at his total value rest of the season, even though he's scheduled to miss six, seven, eight games... I do still think that he is worth a top 120 type player, which in general means that you want to hold him. Uh, George Hill, we're probably looking at another three games until he returns, so probably next week. And what that does for Ty Jerome, uh, the Salt Flake, Theo Maladon, um, and even someone like um, Hamadou Diallo uh, remains to be seen. But that that'll, we'll get more clarification on that in about a week would be my guess. The Orlando Magic. At least the next two games, we have no Evan Fournier or no James Ennis. Fournier, I'm still holding. Ennis is only deep leagues. While Cole Anthony, it looks like he is a way away. He hasn't returned to the court. I wouldn't be stashing Cole Anthony, um, given that it's an uncertain timeline. We could be looking at, at two weeks, three weeks maybe even for Anthony, which is obviously 
not ideal for his return. And even then, he was sort of pretty fringy in terms of his in terms of his fantasy value. So I wouldn't think that he is a stash in that scenario. Well, Aaron Gordon is set or is questionable to return today. Actually, Terrence Ross has also popped up on the injury report as questionable. But those guys look like they're going to be back, or you know, especially Gordon, going to be back either on Thursday or on Friday in the back-to-back. The Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are out for the next... Oh, Simmons is out for the next two games. I think Embiid's only been ruled out for the Thursday uh, for their contact tracing due to the shenanigans at All-Star break. And by shenanigans, I mean getting their hair cut. Uh, so they're out those next couple of games. But that's it in terms of injuries with the Sixers. And for Phoenix, Cam Johnson is out with the COVID protocols. He missed the last game before the break. So that was the 4th of March. He's out again here. So maybe we're looking at another two or three out there for him. While Devin Booker, of course, got injured in the last game before the break, had to miss the All-Star break. And now he's questionable. I I think that he won't play on Thursday and that he was likely to return Saturday or Monday, but it doesn't appear to be a long-term scenario for Devin Booker. The Portland Trailblazers, a lot of injuries here. Now, we were supposed to get some sort of update on CJ McCollum yesterday, but he wasn't able to practice as he was in COVID protocols due to attending a funeral. I would say that both he and Yusuf Nurkic are about a week away from getting back on the court. Um, Nurkic, I don't think, will be overly limited in minutes. He might be a little bit just for conditioning because his was a hand injury. CJ will be limited in minutes. He broke his foot. So he will be limited, I'd imagine, for a week or two after he returns. Now, both of those guys, I know people are asking me this. is Yes, Yusuf Nurkic is a guy that you add. Um, CJ McCollum, obviously, is a guy that you add as well. But I wouldn't... CJ was the 15th or is the 15th ranked player per game this year. I think there's zero chance that he returns that value. I think maybe he's a top 50 guy rest of the way. Not not top 20 or top 15 where he was. Uh, Harry Giles, still out with a, ca- a calf injury. They just keep ruling him out every game and just not saying he's out two, three weeks. But I'd imagine that he's going to be out for another three or four games. And then Zach Collins, we're probably looking at April for his return. I have absolutely zero idea where Zach Collins fits in when he gets back. Who does he take the minutes off? Cantor? Does he take the minutes of Mallow? Like, I, I don't know Derek Jones and shift Covington to the three. I don't know where the hell Zach Collins fits in on this team. I know he's not going to be a fantasy factor, but I have no idea how they're going to work that rotation. The Sacramento Kings. Uh, Hassan Whiteside is still out with COVID protocols. Chimezi Metu is probably out for another week or two with a fractured wrist, while Robert Woodard is out for another three, two to three weeks with a hamstring problem. <clears throat> Tyrus Halliburton set to return today on limited minutes. But he is set to return, so obviously that is a uh, that is a positive there. So make sure if anyone was foolish enough to drop Tyrese Halliburton, and I know they were because he's rostered in under eighty percent of Yahoo leagues, then you can go and add him there. But just expect some lower minutes and lower output in the first couple of games back from Tyrese Halliburton. Of course, for the San Antonio Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge won't play for them again. I discussed that at length on yesterday's show, so you can go back and check that out. While Devin Vassell looks like he could be set to return for Friday's game, will he be in the rotation and take those Drew Eubanks, Trey Lyles minutes and they use Rudy Gay exclusively as a center? I think that's a possibility. Will they play him over Walker? Yeah, they should, but I don't think they will. So I'm not sure that Vassell even plays every night, but he could come in and take those backup big man minutes away and make Gay play exclusively as that backup center. We'll see if they do that or not. The Toronto Raptors, bunch of COVID protocols still. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG, Ananobi. But what about Scarves? OG, Blizz, stop once. OG. Uh, you better stop OG. Malachi Flynn and Pat McCaw. 
They will miss Thursday's game. There is a chance that they are out. They are back for Saturday. We don't know that for sure. Um, worst case scenario, they miss the next three games, and then they're back on the seventeenth, which I think is um, yeah, expect that. Um, and then if they're back earlier, it's uh, it's a positive. We don't know if they've got COVID or not. All of them, I, I believe Siakam does. So you'd think that there will be some sort of uh, minutes ramp up required for him when he returns. But the other two, we don't know, and we and we also don't know when um, when Pascal is going to be back. But that's that's the injury scenario there. Terence Davis is questionable for today. He won't be any sort of rotation piece or big rotation piece when everyone is back. But he's in line for some pretty big minutes if he is able to play through his sore ankle. The Utah Jazz. Really, really healthy. Apart from Yudoka Azubuike, who's out with an ankle injury and probably won't play again this season, everyone is ready to go. They also just signed Ersan Ilyasova, who could take some of George Niang's minutes, but it's not going to be anything that impacts fantasy really at all. And then the last team we look at is the Washington Wizards. Ish Smith, we're uh, a while out from him returning, probably mid-April. Um, so Hal Neto's getting extensively too many minutes. It looks like Troy Brown Jr. is a massive trade target. Um, they're looking to get rid of him. They are treating him horrendously. This team is not good. You shouldn't be giving you know, 24 minutes to Hal Neto and 25 minutes to Ish Smith as they were when uh, Troy Brown should be getting that development time. So just a horrendous decision from this team continually um, in terms of what's happening with Brown. So he's a name to watch at the trade deadline. not saying he'd be a 12-team league guy, but there is more value coming for him. At least they're playing him at the moment. I just don't know exactly you know, what they're going to do in terms of where his uh, where his role sits as we move forward, so that would be uh, yeah, that would be interesting to see what they end up doing with Brown. But it, it's been really frustrating to see um, the way they've treated him. As I said, Ish Smith, we're talking April for him, and that just means more minutes for Hal uh, Neto, which is just for the deeper leagues. That'll do it for me today, guys. Long show. I'll be back later on with a pregame show at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, a What to Watch For show, and then a recap of all 11 games on Thursday. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.